0: Inventions keep the world spinning. From fire in the wheel to today's high tech, inventions power change. Turn your inventions into reality. Learn how to get your ideas to market. This is Invent Anything with John Cronin. Hello, and welcome back. In today's episode, we'll cover the six ways to make money with your patents. First, we'll just get started with the high level view of how you monetize patents, but we'll talk about monetization path number one, patent litigation, especially with some novel strategies. We'll talk about monetization path number two, which is IP licensing with associated novel strategies. We'll talk about monetization path number three, which is how to get more money out of gross margins. Monetization path number four is how brand and marketing get monetized using patents, Monetization path number five, we'll talk about contractual value, a little understood way, but a very powerful way to make money through your patents. And monetization path six, which is how do you price in the value of IP to the stock? And then of course we'll wrap up. You might find it interesting here in this episode that out of these six ways to monetize your patents, not only including hybrids of the sixth, so stay tuned. This episode could make you or save you a lot of money. When we take a look at the audience, Uh, Basically, any patent owners might want to know how to make money through their patents, but also for those who are specifically interested who want to make money from their patents. Maybe there is management or supervisory levels that want to get a briefer on how they can leverage patents for monetization. And for all those that might consider themselves IP strategists, these ideas can certainly add to your playbook. For those who are considering if they want to file patents, wouldn't it be nice to know how you can make money uh, through them first? And our friends, the CFO, valuing patents certainly is not part of their training, so to get an understanding of how CFOs can look at patents to monetize would be very useful. And finally, for investors or iBankers and M&A bankers, etc., where they can help understand how to price into a deal the value of patents. So stay tuned. I will show you one of the most obvious questions never asked by patent holders. But let's get into the ways to monetize. First of all, we will not cover IP sales uh, as a way to make money, although selling patents can start anywhere from 50K to millions of dollars, depending upon the buyer's need. Also, it's kind of neat that you could value your patent before you even begin to file patents, assuming you get the claims that you want. However, there's only really one way when you monetize we can discuss that has any accuracy in trying to value the patents. And you can actually see valuation of patents is something that I've been working on over the years in IP Capital Group. We'll show the six ways to monetize patents, but many companies we work with may only do one or two of these ways at the same time, as monetization of patents needs to align with the business models of the company. Out of the six monetization paths we're going to show, there are of course many hybrids of these, uh, and they generate many, many options. So if you have patents, you may have already been getting value out of the patents, and you didn't even know it, and we'll talk about that. The highest level concept here is that intellectual property is an intangible. One aspect of intangibles is patents. And goodwill determination is the difference between the paid value for the company versus its market cap. Sometimes the company makes a lot more in being acquired than the market cap. And that delta is called goodwill. And if one looks inside of goodwill, a large percentage of the goodwill is patents. Of course, you have to own patents to have that be true. So any of the ways we're going to explain here to monetize value, it does take expertise. Later on, we'll have an episode on each, so stay tuned. Some ways to monetize your patents have risks, so be careful, particularly say in litigation, where you could be countersued. Another thing is that there are ways to monetize your patents that could be based upon industry standards or regulations. So again, expert advice is needed. Finally, considering monetization of patents seems kind of logical, especially if you have patents, and you're deciding to spend the money to get patents, those are two areas that you'd want to kind of know what the monetization potential is. But it's surprising to me, 95% of the time, most patent holders and to be patent holders don't even bring the question up. This is the most obvious question never asked by patent holders and I find that to be very interesting. So we will be talking about reasons why software patents in particular may not be as valuable for one of the monetization factors. It may surprise you, so stay tuned. Let's talk about monetization path number one, patent litigation, especially with some novel strategies to monetize. First of all, it might be interesting for you to know the patent litigation costs are very large. The cost of an average patent lawsuit, where maybe you're trying to get $1 million or maybe 25000000 million, you're going to risk capital, anywhere from a half million to $5 million. And this may take years to win and even further years to collect. Patent litigation has a risk associated with it as well, so you could get countersued. So this is really a large company game or the game of non-practicing entities who have models that are associated with just making money from patents. The probability of winning is improved with multiple patents, especially with new patents built on top of the defendant patents. So some of the novel strategies in patent litigation might be that patent litigation could be a way to slow down a smaller company in raising money. Happens quite a bit when a competitor knows that you're trying to raise money uh, to try to sue you for patent litigation will cause a lot of investor confusion, and maybe even stop the raise from happening until the litigation is cleared. And that's the death knell of small companies raising money. Another novel strategy for patent litigation is uh, to patent lit- litigate and then very early settle. Uh, these are called micro litigators. They're basically designed to litigate patents to settle early uh, for a half million dollar range instead of taking it all the way. So it's a way of making some money through patent litigation. Another novel strategy for patent litigation is to find uh, defended in competitors' records. Some companies literally litigate in order to figure out what's going on with their competitors because they can subpoena information. Another novel strategy is that patent litigators uh, can uh, assess uh, uh, the strength and take a look at uh, copycats uh, and 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 understanding whether you're going to litigate or not could literally stop copycats. I had an example of a large French company that had uh, a lot of patents, but they weren't litigating. Uh, and they were getting sued by their competitors. And after a careful review, we recognized that the the competitors didn't think that my large French company would put any strength into to to litigate. So when they hired some litigators and started to sue, all of a sudden the competitors stopped suing them. One of the things is to uh, have a novel strategy to find a partner to help litigate because it costs so much. And there are a number of firms out there that will basically provide dollars to you to help you litigate where they uh, will share the fees and clear the fees at the end and then they will uh, take the back end and divide it instead of a portion way. Maybe they take 40% or 60% and you take the balance. One thing that you can do with patent litigation is to try to create pressure on the, on your customers uh, by having your customers recognize that you will take your patents to court so that if customers are determining whether they want to buy products from you, uh, they might not want to buy products from uh your competition for fear that they might get sued by you. Another novel strategy for patent litigation is really to disrupt the defendant. Uh, Because when you patent litigate a company, basically it gets to the board level usually, if it's a small enough or mid-sized company, and the CEOs and the management gets called in, it becomes a very big focus area and a very big concern. So I've seen this used many times for mid-sized and small-sized companies as a way simply to get pressure on the defendant company. And as I mentioned, beware of counter suits. In the second monetization path called IP licensing, there's ways to license that's called either a carrot or a stick license. And either way is used to making money. Stick licensing is used before patent litigation, but watch out for declaratory judgments. A stick license means that you believe that they're violating your patent, so you're going to litigate against them. But before you litigate, you can go seek a license. It's called a stick license because they ultimately come to the conclusion that they're violating your patent. You wouldn't mention they're violating your patent and stick licensing. You would get them to understand that because if you mention that you would sue them, declare with the court that you're having a business infringement and you would be getting sued for a declaratory judgment. So then you have to answer their claims before you even have a chance to push your own claims. There's carrot licensing, which is much more friendly, and this is used to generate revenue streams from all sorts of partners particularly if you can't get into the market yourself. So you may have some patents and some products, but the patents have many more markets. So you may opt to do carrot licensing to get others to see if they can use your patents in the different markets and they can make money and you can make money on a licensing revenue. One of the things you do with carrot licensing is to help you create joint ventures. So you might wanna partner with someone and using carrot licensing as a way to do that to give them some rights over your patents so that when working together, you can both produce products or services together. One of the neat novel strategies is to use carrot or stick licensing as a Trojan horse for acquisition. I've done a number of deals like this where I've made hundreds of millions of dollars for my clients, basically putting together a story and approaching an entity for, for a carrot license. That entity recognizes they need to buy your company. and so doing, uh, they, they buy a company for a lot of money. One of the examples I had uh, was a company I worked with, Mesh Networks. We did uh, carrot licensing, with Motorola Motorola bot mesh networks for 168 million. Another novel strategy here is to use characteristic licensing when you sort of move out of a market and you change strategic direction. You might not wanna be in the market yourself, but that doesn't stop you from generating some licenses for some entities that will stay in that market. Another novel strategy is you could use characteristic licensing to establish good press, because if you're getting a license that's good news, it shows your patents are effective. Another thing is that use characteristic licensing to help you be more efficient because patent licensing is really a business tool and it helps you open up markets. Using carrot or stick licensing for getting access to know-how is another thing. In the case of when I worked with IBM, we use licensing to get cross licenses so that we got access to other's technology. One of the things you can do is you can sort of think about in some industries, there are what's called patent wars where people are just suing each other. So sometimes carrot or stick licensing can use in advance of, uh, of starting a war, and then finally, in in my uh, area, uh, I, I recognize that uh, hitting off of the patent was makes sense, and if generating a lot of patents like we did at IBM in the patent factory is something that you should consider uh, generating a lot of patents to basically down the road do more characteristic licensing. So you know, in the future, here in this talk, we might learn something very interesting, which is how to reverse the monetization, one of the ideas in order to make money in sales. Because it's not just having patents to monetize, you may actually find that some of these areas you could reverse the situation by understanding the monetization path and then generating patents just to be able to do that monetization path. So stay tuned, we'll talk about that. Let's talk about monetization path number three, gross margin enhancements. We can see as we look at this formula for gross margins, that the total cost of goods really drives the percentage. So as the products, uh, and you look at it, as if they have almost zero cost, you can get to 100% margin. It turns out that software patents tend to have very high margins to begin with, like 80, 85%. So those products, software products, are not gonna have the ability to have the leverage of using patents for gross margins. So patents used for gross margins need to have a technology area where, the, where you're likely to get improvements in the margin. How does this work, by the way? I mean, how does it work to get an enhancement of margins through patents? Well, think about patents as a no trespass sign, right? Uh, If you have a patent and and it issues, you can stamp on the product, the patent number, or the patent pending number. And this is really like a no trespassing sign. It tells the potential customers or or competitors that you have a patent on it. Uh, And then it, it makes sure that they know that you have a patent on it, so that's less likely to copy your invention. You can remember, maybe if you've listened to the previous episode uh, of what is a patent, that there's this constitutional right that you have in stopping others from make, using or selling, which then forces the inventor to get rewarded if someone is going to pay him a license or a royalty, but it forces others to sort of innovate around him or to take a license. And that's really what innovation is, either reward the inventor or invent around the inventor. If we look at monetization of gross margin and enhancements, we recognize that there are retail customers that buy products. So they might see the patents as being something that says you're novel. And a lot of people like to buy new products. The patent office becomes the novelty judge, right? They have no uh, dog in the fight. They just recognize your patent was novel. So retail customers might look at patents and buy your products because they consider it novel. In B2B customers, it's really different because patent prosecution um, in a market is really a weapon for control, right? So if I have customers, B2B customers, uh, leveraging patents for higher margins is really seen as just the way to force more control. One of my friends, Bruce Storey, uh, who worked for us for a number of years as a senior advisor, used to run the Dow group for intellectual property. And he had found in many of the talks that I've heard him give that Dow did a study that 34% increase margins were because of having patents. So when they compare patent-protected products to non-patent-protected products, there's about a 34% margin improvement. That's about the strongest piece of data that I have about sort of an average percentage margin improvement. Sophisticated customers know that with enough work, they could probably invent around your patents. But these customers may buy your product at higher margins anyway because they feel it would be more costly to invent around. So this market uh, sees Patents as a nuisance, but they might buy for higher margins because they don't just want to spend the time to invent around it, uh, so they buy. One key strategy to think about, as I mentioned earlier, is to sort of think about this in reverse. So supposing you have a product, and supposing you recognize that the margins could be improved, maybe get 34% more improvement in margins. So what you do is you reverse this approach. Supposing you had a $10 million market, maybe you get 10 or 12 patents that are very incremental, so that people won't copy these improvements and therefore you start to get added 34 percent margin on 10 million the ROI in here is very very good if i look at monetization path number four branded marketing it first makes sense to sort of talk about what is brand a brand or a brand name is really a symbol or a shape or a mark or a logo or some unique name or some sentence that companies use to distinguish their product and service from others usually their competitors a brand can then also be used to create brand identity Legal protection given to brand names is called a trade name, whereas patents are signed to the company and are used to stop copycats of the branded products. So you can see that patents and brand can be used hand in hand, almost like a cross rough with bridge players. So your partner with a bridge player, uh, you might decide to feed some cards into the game so the other, other partner of yours knows what the card is so that you can then work together to get winning hands. So this craft rough is a lot like that because uh, having patents in brand names can work hand in hand to reinforce each other. The other things a patent do in brand is it helps you be equivalent to being what's called the innovator. And the market many times can tout the patents and hence the innovativeness of the technology of the company. We do have design patents, and that helps with brands. And design patents really protects the shape, we like take the sh- shape of the Coca-Cola bottle, Uh, And and you take that shape, which sort of the shape recognizes the brand, but the patent protects that shape or the patent protects the brand. Uh, Even going to the the current world of the iPhone and the curve edges, I think it was Samsung that had to pay Apple a billion dollars in a lawsuit because they violated a design patent. That's a lot of money. One of the things is that sometimes a company sort of gets noted for its patent filing strength. I mean, if I take a look at uh, sort of IBM and my work there at the patent factory over the years, we could see that IBM leverages this patent factor and gets a lot of strength in the market. But other examples like drug companies, for instance, may direct their brands from generics and they use patents as a way of stopping uh, the generic from copying them. So, but there's a big issue with the company's product uh, once the patent goes sort of off patent. So when the drug goes off patent, it's a super negative effect that the drug can now be easily copied. Uh, There are companies today that are really worried about the use of patents being kind of heavy handed. Uh, So a lot of companies like to maintain what's called a white hat brand. And you can see from uh, this paper that we're looking at here, or the papers that I was involved in being interviewed on, we we recognize that a white hat brand is really something that maybe companies want to deal with in the press, because you get negative press when it comes out when companies that litigate just to make money. So for some reason, a lot of customers see that using patents just to make money is a negative. So doing this with some strategy and finessing it makes sense. You want to be compared really to be more of an innovator versus a litigator. And hang on here because we're gonna talk about something really kind of cool. We're gonna talk about how the stock value of your company can be impacted by patents, and that's worth a lot of money. But before we do that, let's talk about path five, contractual value. Let's delve into a contract. What is it? It's really an an agreement, really written. it can be verbal, of course, between two or more parties. And if you look, there are three parts of a contract. There's the offer, There's the acceptance and the consideration for that acceptance. And whatever the normal offer that you negotiate is, patents can be used as leverage in that discussion. So when you have patents on your products, a customer that you're dealing with can't shop around your products for the similar products. Also, the customer is now knowledgeable about your patents and likely would be contaminated by going to somebody else where they know you have the patents because they might be willfully uh, infringing, or contributing to that infringement. If you're really smart enough to get patents on how your customers would use or integrate your products, this is even better because they will now need to buy your products uh, because they need a, the patent license to, associate, to, to go with your products and how they're going to use it. If you're smart enough in getting patents on your supplier's needs, this is also very interesting because your supplier would have to recognize that they need your patents in order to build the product for you. So therefore, they're not gonna have the ability to get the higher margins, which gives you a lower price. So as as they give you more and more credit for your inventions that's in their spa- space, you can lower the cost of what you're gonna pay a supplier. Once again, they have the willful infringement issue. If they know your patents, they can't violate it by having the same supply to a competitor's product. Finally, if you're smart enough to have a fair number of patents, we talked about that hockey stick at having 15 patents uh, with their is created in M&A, as one of the trigger points because 15 patents are very difficult to invent around so the more patents you have the better and it's more likely you'll be able to leverage contractual value here acceptance of this contract that we mentioned here will likely have what's called patent exhaustion terms mean that you can't sue anybody or license to them if you're selling them the product the patent license goes with the offer considerations would obviously be money we talked about this consideration but it could also be other things like patent licenses or other considerations like uh, indemnifications. So leveraging patents and contractual advantage even goes to NDAs, how you can strike an NDA, because if you have patents, you can have a a stronger negotiation of what could be given up or not in the NDA. Getting experts to help with this makes a lot of sense and, and really should be done. The final monetization path, path number six, is how to price in the value of intellectual property in your patents to stock value. In general, though, improved stock valuation of companies is not correlated to patents. Analysis of trying to relate even simple things like the number of patents to the stock price or more advanced stuff like the patent strength, metrics, if you have them to stock price, simply just doesn't work. If it did, it'd be taught in business school. So what gives here? We've been talking about monetizing your patents and different values. So what am I really saying here? Well, it's kind of like this. If you get a college education, it doesn't really guarantee a high paying job, right? It's really how well you did in college, how you leverage your contacts, how you specialize uh, in outside activities. All these things make you more attractive to get that first job. Likewise, patents are a lot like that. They don't necessarily allow you to get the monetization out of them unless you correctly place work behind that. Like making sure you have high quality patents, make sure you have the right number of patents, make sure they're in the right place in the value chain. Make sure it's backed up by know-how. Make sure you're actively using the patents for monetization. If you do those things, then, there could probably be a way to price in the value directly. But you see, that takes a lot of different skills. And we'll talk in other episodes about how to do each one of these and to be better at it. To improve stock valuation of private companies very different than public. In private companies, the value of the company is set by the most recent raise. And so we covered a topic like this of how CEOs can raise money and increase their valuation in a previous episode, which you should go look, and I don't want to repeat it here today. But it is true if you have intellectual property and you're raising money for the current raise, you could significantly improve the value and, and therefore your stock value by convincing the investors of the intellectual property strength you have. Public companies are, the, are different, though, because public companies, you really have to get the uh, insider investors and the retail investors to see the attractiveness of buying more Stock And the more stock that's bought, the higher the stock value gets. So improved stock valuation of public companies using intellectual property, say to insiders, that's done by usually telling them a great IP story. And there's a unique method behind this which we'll cover down the road of how to tell a great story. And this is really best done on the roadshow when you're going around to the insiders to raise a significant amount of money for a public company. What you're trying to do is create high demand for your company in the raise by saying how good your intellectual property is in the space. To improve stock valuation of public companies with retail investors, this is really done by proper announcements of the patents and what they cover and being press released. And there's proper ways to do this, of course. Improve stock valuation of public companies to retail investors is also done by proper announcements uh, of successes of monetization methods. So if you have different monetization methods and you start having successes, uh, the retail investors will start pricing in the value of your intellectual property and patents to the stock price. Of course, detailed patent monetization strategies shouldn't be divulged to retail investors because that'll be giving away your hand. So you need to do this more thoughtfully and carefully. And hopefully as advertised here now, you can see that you can change the stock value of your company by intellectual property. So stay tuned for more. So let's wrap up. We talked about different ways to monetize patents. Specifically, we have six ways. And we said that you could use subcategories, combination, and hybrids of all these and add to the playbook of monetization strategies for your patents. In monetization path number one, patent litigation, as you recall, learning how to use litigation to find partners, find information in the litigation, find the right litigation partners like micro-litigators, etc., all part of that world of patent litigation. In monetization path number two, IP licensing and novel strategies, we talked again about how to do things like find the right partners and how to stop patent wars and how to even use this as a Trojan horse to sell your company how to move in and out of markets efficiently. So monetization path number two for licensing is something a lot of companies do. Monetization path number three, gross margin enhancements. Well, this is kind of interesting. We mentioned the 34% rule of thumb showed surprisingly here in some markets like software, it's much harder to raise the margin. But we also discussed the surprising strategy of how building narrow patents on top of your products might actually improve your margins if you don't have patents there yet. So for those people looking to improve their profits, ROI is pretty fantastic to develop some incremental patents on top of your product and start leveraging that as margins. For monetization path number four, we talked about branded marketing. We talked about this whole idea between branded marketing and patents as a cross-rough strategy. We talked about trade names and design patents and being seen as the innovator, all very valuable things. It might be easy to see the patent relationship to brand in a drug company, for instance, but it's a little bit more difficult in other companies. We talked about monetization path number five, and this is really a gem. Uh, This monetization strategy basically says that when you're doing contracts, you can leverage and take advantage of your patents. We talked about contracts being able to leverage the offer or the acceptance or the considerations in the negotiation. And finally, we talked about monetization path number six, pricing the value of stock. We discussed moving uh, the market patent monetization into the price of the value of the stock, although there isn't quite a formula to do this, like gap ruling, etc., we recognize just like a college education, how you leverage your contacts and all that stuff is just like how you leverage patents and monetization and hence raise the value. Patents don't necessarily allow you to get monetization out of them unless the patents are correctly placed or high quality and you have the right number and they're all backed up by good know-how, et cetera. So it's a whole strategy. So thank you very much for listening. We hope you subscribe to the future Invent Anything podcast. And thank you for joining our Invent Anything blog. Till later, thanks very much. Also, please subscribe if you like and join our blog on Invent Anything.